You got a dumb face, and I don't like you. This is Tall Can Audio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We're on social media. Well, we're on Instagram at Tall Can Audio. We'll see how long Twitter's going to uh, is going to last. But uh, Matt over here, Rob over there. What are you saying today, man? I'm back, baby. I'm like that puka shell that your significant other won't let you wear anymore. You know, you bring it out every once in a while. It makes you feel like you're young and hip. Say again, puka shell. Puka shell. You know, I'm the audio version of that book shell. I don't know what that is. So I it's, was never young and hip. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's, it's that sort of thing. It looks like it's it's sort of small little white sort of shells. Maybe it's on a leather thing or it's just, it's just, it's, it's ugly. You would never have one probably. Well, if it, it's ugly, I may have it. it no, no, it didn't go with your little uh, wrist studs, you know, when, nice. you, when you were super badass, right? Of no, course, man. Yeah, it doesn't match with that. I don't when think, I was super badass. Yeah, well, it happened. It was there, ladies and gentlemen. It's true. Matt was super badass. We can almost pinpoint it. It was that day. It was, yeah, nine minutes in uh, 2002, and then uh, oh, it was hey, gone. It's funny. You sing 2002. That's the, that's the height of your badassery? Well, that was when the the wrist studs and the, you know. You were telling me that Iron Maiden stuff is crap. Don't listen to that. You need to get in on this Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Eat World's where it's at, baby. <laughs> um, had a, 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 traded a couple tweets this week with our buddy Bunda because uh, when he was in here last time, he was trying to sell me on, uh, I don't know if you oh, heard, yeah, but yeah, the first Yeah, I did. One, I listened the, to part um, of that show, yeah. When We Were Young Festival and- uh, and the first run, I looked at it, I, I, not because I was planning to go, but just out of curiosity, this kind of pop punk, emo, alternative, whatever festival that was going to cover everything. Mm. Uh, the Return of Paramore, I believe, was one of the big headliners. And I was not that into it. And he goes, you, you, you want to go next year. You and me, we're going to go next year. And I went and checked it out. Man, it's, it's Blink, it's Green Day, it's The yeah. Offspring, it's, it's Phoenix TX for Matt. Like, he might be right there. Matt turns 40. Next year. Oh, Matt's badass again. Badass we'll Matt. Double it back 0. up. Get the stud bracelets back out and the belt and the. On oh, the doubling it up. They're never letting and you on maybe a plane. Maybe the belt you're point. doubling back up on. I'll need two of them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we'll uh, look into that. When we were young, 2022, okay. maybe where I spend my 40th birthday. But uh, day one got uh, not rained out, not snowed out, a uh, bit of a sandstorm in Vegas, and they had to cancel day one of, okay. of this year's. Uh, festival. Uh, I referenced a couple times while you were gone, you referenced before you left, uh, this store behind security out at the, uh, Stanfield International Airport in Halifax, Nova Scotia. You have rolled in here today with beers. Is that where they came from? No, Matt, they did not come from. All right. Then I, there was no reason for me to tee all that up. No, nope. but- uh, but I did, you know, uh, I sort of outlined in the green room over a pint, uh, my woes and anybody who's flown anywhere yeah. understands the bullshit that, <laughs> that comes with that. <laughs> so I'm getting hosed, like literally, I, I, I don't know what I could do. Grab my own ankles and just sort of get, get after <laughs> it by the, by the airlines. I get through security, which is always fantastic. 
Liquid assets closed no, for the day. No, 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 no. So not only am I taking a hosing to, you know, my hamstrings and acyl regions. Well, why don't you give the Coles notes of what you gave me out there, what you, when you were supposed to leave and when you did leave. Yeah, supposed to leave at 4.30. Yeah, had to get had bad. to get athletes off the court, yeah. into a cab, like, un, like still in their game gear to make a 5.30 flight that left at 10.40 at yeah. night. <laughs> Supposed to be in Ottawa at 6.30. How's a solid midnight treating everybody? And, yeah. and, and I'm rolling into work at 7 a.m. And I was going to ask if you ended up just taking the fucking day off. Rob's a trooper. Okay. Rob's badass. Yeah. Uh, but not that day. <laughs> not that day. I'm not pointing my finger at that day. Rob was, and it actually stretched out. The older Rob gets, lethargic. Yeah, a couple days. For sure, day. man. And again, I had had three, maybe four beers. At the airport, right while yep. you're waiting around, it's not my fault. Yeah. And really, the woman who was getting booed at the uh, at the stand, she can, you know, that's her fault because that just left me more time to have a couple more pints. Halifax to Ottawa delayed another forty five minutes. Boo! That's. <laughs> that and if is... you've ever traveled with Rob, his go to move after yelling that he kind of looks around. Yeah. Who did that? What oh, kind no. of asshole would yell yeah. that? My actual go to move is to do that facing in the opposite direction. <laughs> Then you look around and you're like, what? What savage? What, what asshole? An asshole. <laughs> yeah, but it always brought Snickers. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. Um, so sadly, Matt, mm. these are not from Maritime. liquid assets uh, okay. or down home yeah. pints of any kind. Now, that being said, I was out uh, Friday for Remembrance Day, went out to Perth. Sort of my aunt lives out there now. And so... Sort of spent the Remembrance Day time there and then went for lunch. And on the way into town, stopped at Lake Town Brewing Company. Lake Town Brewing Company. Never heard of it. Yeah, yeah you, I'm sure you have not. It's yeah. what used to be Weatherhead. All right. So apparently there's now. I've heard of them. Yeah. They've been in the calendar actually. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I asked the woman at the, in the tap room about this and she said, oh, we've rebranded. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think word on the street is the two guys who owned it had a parting of the ways. Okay. And one took the Weatherhead name with them and left us with Lake, Lake Town. Town Brewing Company. So what you've got and you've cracked, and we both cracked, and I've had a first pull on it. Yeah. Have you? Yep. This is the wreck of Bodie McBoatface <laughs> double IPA coming in at a big boy 8.8. Wow. I don't taste that on the first bowl. No, not at all. Um, it's got a nice flavor to it, but nothing that would have screamed a nice thick 8.8 per so, inches slash percent. Yeah. <laughs> Hit it with you twice. <laughs> so the, <laughs> this is, honestly, the first bowl I was like, is that banana? Or like, what, what is that I'm getting from there? There's like something that's, it's subtle, but yeah. I am certainly not getting that sort of alcohol battery acid kind of thing you come <laughs> sometimes get from a, from a double, right? This is, uh, it's interesting. To me, you're selling it there. This does not taste like battery acid. It's a good thing, folks. Like that's a good. Uh, so yeah, it's not bad. The wreck of. Bodie McBoatface. Not the Edmund Fitzgerald. Correct. Now, I had another one in my hands today to bring for a backup, yeah. which I do have a backup to this, mm-hmm. but it was called um, Nautical Disaster. Nice. But it was a- it was an, so They got a theme out at Lake Town. 
it was an IPA and it came in at about 6.8. And I thought, you know what? Pedal down on a Sunday afternoon. 8.8 followed by the 6.8. So we will follow this up with something a little more in the middle grounds as opposed to. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's the first poll here. And and again, it, it does have that. It's missing some of the snap you would you would hope for in a in an IPA which I think happens when they double up on it that I, I often find that like I don't know I've as you know consider myself an enthusiast far more than I consider myself an expert on the yep. uh, the beer front but the higher the alcohol goes the less of that crack the less yep. of that kind of um you know hoppiness kind of yep. jumps out out front and uh uh last weekend while you were uh fighting the good fight out in, in Halifax. I joined a couple friends and did the uh, brew donkey tour. Nice. And, uh, we hit bicycle, Vimy and, hmm, Dominion city. Nice. And so a couple people were along for the party more than the, the beers, right? Not yeah. necessarily craft beer fan. And so you kind of get in the questions ahead of time, like as they're laying out at most of the breweries, they hit, hit you with a flight right? Of four different things to sample yeah. and then we'll hang out for a bit. You can try something. Grab something else that you want. Yeah. And, uh, so that people were figuring out quickly the difference between the West Coast IPA and, oh. the, and the, uh, New England IPA, right? In terms of if you don't like that hoppiness, yeah. you're going to want to stay in that nice juicy kind of New England area yeah. as opposed to, uh, the West Coast. So by the end of it, you know, when they're pointing out what's what, those of us who are into such things are having you know, oh, the third one there, that's the West Coast IPA. And all of a sudden it, it slides down the table and lands in front of you. So a couple of us had uh, maybe a little more fun than the rest, but uh, not a bad little operation. We did a podcast on it, or I did last weekend there solo uh, while you were out of town. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that most of those are at kind of a 4.8% or, or something like that, if it's going to be that snappy, right? If it's going to have that crack to it. Yeah. And and I, I find once you get into the six point range. Yeah it starts to lose a bit of that effervescence, mm. right? It, it sort of becomes a bit more, it's smoother, I, I would say, but sometimes with a bit of a, it's a bit of a sweet aftertaste, yeah. right? Almost, yeah. right? And so to me, I'm not getting the banana on the second pull, no. but it is something that it's, 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 I'm not sure, but it's not bad. I'm going to want to take this down though while it's cold, I think. Right. Right. I get the impression that, that the, the warmer it gets, it may take on a bit of that. <laughs> Sort of battery acid <laughs> feel to it. Sorry, Lake Down. This is the uh, the scale that we're earwax and battery acid. Those are my those are my go to. Or sucking on a nickel. Sounds like uh, bands that might be playing at when you were young next yeah, year. When I had for sure, there. for sure, for sure. So now again, we've said it many times. I for sure have said it. A double, not normally, or an imperial IPA, not normally my go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never fault the brewery. I give them, it's, it's kind of like a free wave. Sure. Right? You get a pass because Rob normally doesn't I like I bought it. this knowing this might not be my, my style. My yeah. bag. Yeah. So to me, all those places I sort of go, all right, you know what? I, I've given it a go. But when I had the nautical disaster in my hand and then I had the wreck of Bodie McBoatface, I thought, <laughs> all right, these are, these are great show beers. And then I thought, ah, I, I can't, I can't back. I want to have the double. Because I like the wreck of the Bodie McBoat face. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I thought, you know what? I'll swap out the, uh, I'll swap out the, um, the other New England style IPA for 
something that Matt also enjoys, mm. but at a little lower ABV. Okay. Okay. Uh, we got a ton to cover today, man, across the sporting landscape, across the non-sporting landscape. Let's start here with your Toronto Blue Jays, where Alejandro Kirk gets himself a Silver Slugger Award this year. And he's the only Blue Jay to get one this year. For those who are unfamiliar with how that award is handed out, it is coaches and managers across the league vote for one player at each position to be the best offensive player. It, of course, is the, uh, you know, the opposite or the, the pairing with the gold glove, right, is, is the best defensive player. So Alejandro Kirk gets himself a Silver Slugger Award at catcher in the American League. And the thing I wanted to ask you about, because... Really, there's only so much meat on the Silver Slugger award bone. Bone. Which which of the three Toronto Blue Jays catchers after the season that we just saw is most likely to be headed out the door if if you're running the team? Because you're not, that is one of the major pieces you have to deal as you try and improve the team. You're not going to carry three catchers again. You got Gabriel Moreno on the way up. You got the, the stalwart there, Danny Jansen, who's kind of got some of that pull power and the pitchers like throwing to him. He calls a good game. And you've got Alejandro Kirk, who is obviously the offensive weapon and improved this year at calling games and, and framing up pitches and stuff. But, uh, you know, maybe the body type worries you a little bit. Maybe he's going to be one of those guys who's more of a combination DH catcher. You got to deal one of those guys away before the start of the season for something useful. Who's out the door? It's a textured question. Really, it's it's not as simple as, as you know, to me, I look at it and go, I flip Danny Jansen, right? That's my knee-jerk reaction. Yep. Um, I think in the future, Moreno becomes your, you know, uh, three out of four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk catches a game and then DHs the other ones. And then, you know, you can, you can DH Vladdy when Kirk is playing, yada, yada, yada. Um... But then it comes down to, man, um, Jansen, Jansen calls a great game, yep. right? And it, it's just... And all the pitchers love working with him, right? Like throwing to him. And the, except for Manoa. Yeah. And I, I don't think Manoa dislikes it. I no. just think he's got a nice rapport with, yep. with Kirk. Right. And so the more I go with it, um, I look at it and go, yeah, I want to keep Jansen. But the reality is, if I want to keep Jansen, he's got to be that three out of four mm-hmm. guy. And I just think I like, I think I like what Manoa and Kirk together for that same reason brings, right? I think you, when you have that option, you do lose who is the better game caller. Mm-hmm. Like Manoa is a guy, like Jansen's been a catcher all the way up through the minors. Whereas, whereas um, Moreno is, is a converted a bunch of things, right? Yeah, like he's he, played some third, he's played some outfield. <laughs> he's just... Right, so he is a guy who is is still more learning. And, and Kirk is also a guy who is, was fairly green when he came up in the pandemic shortened season, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. And so you are left with a couple of guys who are sort of catchers somewhere on the curve, right? Whereas Jansen is, is a much more complete game caller. He's also probably reached his ceiling, right? For like sure. What he is, he is. And it is interesting because teams, like if you're going to trade Moreno, it probably has to be this off season. Yep. Because he's still still a lot of bloom on that road. He's the mystery box and people love the mystery box, right? Like you, okay, I know Danny Jansen, he he calls a great game and you know, he's got some pull power and, and we like what he brings. 
and, and Kirk, you know, we, we love that he hits for some average and like he, he, I think was by the end of the season, I think top three in terms of fewest strikeouts in, uh, yeah. in the AL. Well, if he wasn't, he was leading for most of the year. Yeah. I think it was at the very end, he kind of fell into maybe out first, but that's why I, I was protecting myself with that framing yeah, of yeah. the, uh, of the question. And so you're sort of looking at Moreno and you're like, man, wouldn't it be great if he turned out to be like, turned out to be what? Dan- Danny Jansen? Or Alejandro yeah. Kirk, but you're still like, yeah, but what if he's better? Or like, what if he's better than those guys? And maybe he will be because he's got much, like well above average foot speed for a catcher. He has played some other positions. But if you keep him this year, he may turn out to be fine. But the days of other teams being able to look at him as like locked in superstar. A prospect. Yeah, that fades, right? So... At this point, his trade value is probably as high as it's ever going to be until he shows that he's the next, you know, whatever, great uh, great superstar at that position. And the same could be said probably for Alejandro Kirk. His value may never be higher right. than it is right now. What's All-star it? and a silver slugger. Right. And how, you know, as time moves on, you know, how does his body hold up, quite frankly? Like, what, what does he become? Right now, he's a great bat and he's shown that he can... Uh, call a good game. It's a very tough decision. I think if it were me, if someone was that excited about the mystery box, I would trade Moreno. Would you go as far as to say that horny? Yes. Yeah. You know, I love to, uh, to frame things that way. <laughs> if uh, someone's that horny over Moreno, I'll do that. You know, if it's a comparable deal to what someone else might be offering for one of the other guys. And that leaves me with, you know, the really experienced, like, it's not like Danny Jansen's old, but right. the experienced, you know, behind the plate, great game caller and the offensive player. The only thing uh, in Kirk, obviously, the only thing that freaks you out a little bit is you reference that Kirk's going to have to DH a lot and George Springer's not going to get any younger. Vlad is going to, uh, you know, need some days off his feet where he's <sighs> going to DH some. So that part worries me a little bit, but if you're going to force me to pick one, I think I would choose if someone's offering me a decent uh, deal. I'd probably do Moreno and, well, and keep the guys that are already kind of mainstays, popular in the in the dugout, all those sorts of things. And, and I could be talked into that argument because the reality is, I don't know what the window is for Toronto to yeah. to win, but you know what you have in Jansen yes, and Kirk. That's right. And and to me, what I saw from from Moreno, and I, I I'm not really that up on his his minor league stats, but sure. what I've seen from him at the major league level is. A lot of singles. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that much power. It looks like a guy who could hit for average yep. and, and and not so much power. But um, whereas I think with those other two guys, you get kind of a nice, I think they led in slugging percentage from the catcher spot yep. com- combined all, all season, I think. Yep. So you know what you're getting in your competitive window with those guys. And if you, if you were able no to- risk. We have well, this as a, as a, as a floor, right, right? For our catchers. And, and Jansen was hurt for yes. six weeks, seven yep. weeks, whatever that was. Um, and you just have this, this nice combo of where I think Kirk had to, had to, had to catch quite a bit. Yeah. Whereas I think in a, in another year, in a perfect situation, he would catch less. Uh, just before we move on to a couple other things, uh, as we're sitting here right now, uh, early Sunday afternoon, the Argos have the lead in the uh, East final of the CFL. Um, did you happen to catch the halftime show 
for the Grey Cup. Have you seen the announcement? For Is you? it Anne Murray? Oh, man, that'd be great. Can I have this dance yeah, for the rest of my life? A snowbird. Let's let's get in. Yeah. Right there. No. Uh, so you, you you haven't seen. I ha- I have. Although I was confused, is it Florida be. Georgia Line? No. Is it not Florida? It Georgia? is some of Florida Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is the part that I, I really wanted to to bring. Look, we've been through this before. You and I both understand that the halftime show at the Super Bowl at the Grey Cup. It's for people who aren't necessarily going to watch the game, right? Get you to watch part of it. And honestly, the Grey Cup and the CFL have done a reasonably good job over the last five or ten years of having pretty big names in, regardless of the genre, right? Um, you know, when when we went, Shania Twain was there. Came out with the dog sled. It was a big name, right? Keith Urban played a couple of years ago, yeah. who, you know, for country music fans, that's a huge name about as big as it gets in the country music industry. Justin Bieber has played in the the not too distant past. And so look, uh, yeah, I understand that this wasn't booked for me. Well, last year was the Arkells in Hamilton. That was awesome. Yeah. Right. And honestly, uh, to be fair, actually, I didn't think the set was all that great, but in terms of the act, in yep. terms of the location, perfect. Could you not get the other half of Florida Georgia line? Like we have Tyler Hubbard, who is the main guy or, you know, it's, it's a duo, right? Florida yeah. George Line. And one of them, I, I don't know if he's starting a solo career. There's some other guy, I think his name is Josh Ross, is the Canadian. There's another guy whose name I didn't recognize. This is clearly a country music, whatever. But it just, at the very end of the, you know, when they put out the press release, you're like, that's it. Like, that's, that's all you could. Like, if they'd have said to me, here's Florida Georgia Line, I'd have gone, okay, not for me, but. I get it, right? Yeah. Big name, good get. This one seems like, and there's a meme that goes around pretty often. Uh, there's uh, an episode of The Simpsons just outside their uh, their golden era where Homer gets hired to plan the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> and uh, he hasn't done anything until the last possible second. And it shows him in the stadium. He's like, I wonder if other Super Bowl producers waited until 2.30 the night before the game to plan their halftime show. And that's sort of what this looked like to me, man, is, you know... Where's the the flash? Like, this isn't even, like I said, this isn't Florida Georgia Line. This is a guy in Florida Georgia Line and then two other country acts it, that don't have a big name. I don't think this is Matt being out of touch, even though he very much is. I think this is a disappointment. You want out of touch? I don't even know where the Grey Cup is this year. Regina. All right. So country music was probably the right way to go, but... Ain't no party like a Grey Cup party? I, I guess. That's a, that is – now it's – what is the actual thing? Ain't no party like a West – S-Club party? S- what? Ain't no party like my grandma's tea party? <laughs> Ain't no party like an S-Club party. That's, a, that's that I sort think, of yeah. Australian – S-Club 7 was yeah. the – I think that's where that, that <laughs> meme started. Yeah, all right, man. I, think. I just – I'm like, where does that come from? Ain't no party like that. And I'm like. Pfft. Well, because it's been used a hundred times since, right? So it's hard. I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it was an S Club thing. S Club ain't, 7. Ain't no party S like a BDSM Club. party. Well, that's no. true. <laughs> Depending on whether you're the guest or the host. Can I borrow that red ball? <laughs> no. You cannot. No. It's, it's, it seems like something you should bring up on your own. Uh, the U.S. midterm elections go down this week and... You know, there was a bit of a, 
the polls had been back and forth back in the summer after Roe v. Wade was overturned. It was like, well, that'll be the end of the Republicans. Women are pissed. And then we just sort of, as we do, let that fall out of our collective attention and move on to the next thing. We're talking about crime by the time the elections move on. We're talking about, uh, you know, the Russia-Ukraine war and things that typically play better for the Republicans. And there was an awful lot of talk about a a red wave that was going to sweep through and just dominate the Congress and the Senate and all these sorts of things. Really hasn't panned out to be true. This isn't completely over, although on Saturday we did learn that the uh, Democrats will hold the Senate with at least a one-man majority and uh, there's a runoff election in Georgia. We don't need to get into all of that. Congress is still um, up for grabs, but the idea that the Republicans were going to sweep through and grab that, you know, in a major way, that seems to have faded. If they, whoever takes it now will hold it by a slim majority. Uh, What do you make of of what went on south of the border here over the last couple of weeks? It it hasn't, despite two years since Trump's been gone, it still has that meth lab feel, right? Like it doesn't matter what you do now, the number of Republicans with their 2020 deniers and I, I, I'm just – this whole idea of that you're still doing that. We're still doing this. We're still pretending that – yeah. And, and you, have, you have Democrats saying, OK, we can't we – can't, if we want to win, we can't rely on – this is for democracy. We yes. have to – you know, you have to come with some hard, cold facts. But yet, on the Republican side, you were still content to go, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, that's bullshit. And, and again, I don't know what more you need as somebody who is, I don't care if you're center right, center left. If you're center-ish and Roe v. Wade isn't enough for you, the overturning of that, yeah. if that isn't enough to make you, you know, to say, I need to take more control of this, it's it's... It's interesting. So one of the things that typically happens is whoever won the last presidential election gets beat to shit yeah, in, in the, the midterms. next midterms. Yep. You can go back. Uh, Donald Trump in 2018 lost 40 seats in Congress from where they were. The Republicans did. Before that, Obama in his midterm of his final, uh, his final term in office, they lost 60. So this is a thing that, that knows both parties. Yep. And that hasn't happened this time. This is the third consecutive election where America has told the Republican Party, enough with the Trump shit, we're done here. Because obviously he gets elected in 2016. 2018, they get thumped in the midterms. 2020, he gets punted out of office in favor of Biden. And 2022, in any state that wasn't already a given for the Republicans, in any battleground state, anyone who was backed by Trump or, you know, supported the... Yeah, uh, what did you go? Election denial, all that stuff. All of them were punted to the fucking side, right? In in battleground states, in the hardcore red states, yeah, they yeah. they got in. They like they were always going to. It's a, it's over, and you're finally starting to see re- some Republicans, reasonable Republicans, go. We might have a problem now in the fact that we're clinging to this thing that has been beaten like a drum for the last three elections. It's and not it's not realizing the war is over. That worked. That worked. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't work it's anymore. It's not working anymore. Uh, you're also, we, we did hear the term as I use what red wave was used quite a, uh, quite a bit. Yep. The Republicans were swearing that, uh, through Congress and the Senate, they were going to dominate these midterm elections. 
and it was used all the time, this red wave term. And uh, now that it didn't happen and the Republicans, I, I should say again, may yet take Congress, but it will be with a far weaker number yep. than they were expecting to. Uh, Sean Hannity, noted douchebag on uh, Fox Reputed. News. Yes. Well-known, well-acknowledged yeah. douchebag is now saying that that's, that, that term was invented by Democrats to now hold over our heads. We never said that. We never said that there would be a red wave. The red wave thing was well overblown. I don't even know where that came from. So Washington Post goes out <laughs> and uh, from Sean Hannity's own Fox News channel yeah. has gone back. And, uh, and gone over this with a fine tooth comb to show him just a small sample of the, the times that the term red wave was used by Republicans and by Fox news. Uh, I'm going to play that for you. Now, the first voice you'll hear is Sean Hannity. Every voice you'll hear after that is, uh, is someone on Fox news or a Republican contributor or, uh, or whatever. So let's, let's listen to that just for a second and stay, stick with it until the end. This is maybe a little longer than you might think, but stick with it till the end because it, it pays itself off. I can't say for sure where the rumors of the red tsunami started because polls in almost every key race were within the margin of error. Red wave rising. That is the focus of tonight's angle. It's going to be a wave election and you're going to lose the Senate. I'll bet you $1,000 right now. The knives are being sharpened right now for Joe Biden. You know, Democrats are going to get crushed on November 8th because a red wave is coming. But I'm betting that Joy will learn two new words on Tuesday. It's red wave. How big could that looming red wave get? We begin this Sunday morning with expectations of a red wave this Tuesday. I think this election is going to be a red wave. I think we're going to win. You know what? I, I think, you know, your predictions of a red wave are accurate. And the reason I say that is because now even the mainstream media is catching up. We've been hearing, is it going to be a red wave? Is it going to be a red tsunami? I think it's going to be a red hurricane. When the red wave comes and it is coming, Joe Biden's political utility is over. Are we in for a red wind here or a red wave? Red wave or red tsunami? What are you feeling today? I'm feeling red wave. And don't listen to the lies they're spewing that this could take days or days, you know, to know who won. This is total BS. A wave like this, we should know that that, that night, basically, who won the Senate and the House. Anything that happens Wednesday into Thursday is gravy. And right out the back door... I've got a tropical storm brewing right right now. I think they're saying could be a category one by the end of the day. However, let me tell you what is a storm, that red wave. I'm telling you, if there's any indication based upon what we're seeing this morning, somebody made a surfboard, said the red wave is coming. Nothing worse than a storm brewing at the back door, man. We've well, that's, that's 12 pints of Guinness, <laughs> two pounds of hot wings. I got a tropical storm brewing in my back door. Nothing worse. Um, and this is just one of the games... That they like to behind. We never said there'd be a red wave. And so they force you to go back and pick through and here it is and here's this and here's you saying it and here's and they'll still just move along and go, no, that's they're lying to you. So I, look, I think the uh it's interesting that the Democrats have strengthened their hold on the Senate. We'll see what happens in Congress. Um, but yeah, this idea of I think one of the things we saw proven is that maybe Maybe voters are a little smarter than the media had given them credit for because the news organizations and polling had all said the same thing. The, the Republicans were going to crush this and people remembered Roe v. Wade. People remembered the, the talk about canceling, you know, uh, social insurance, right? These sorts of things. I've said for a very long time and I was proven wrong here in these elections that people have chosen their team. There's nobody left in the middle who actually picks based on 
the actual issues of the day. That turned out not to be true. And, um, you know, we'll see who holds Congress. But overwhelmingly, this is a far more successful uh, midterm election than than the party in power has had in the last several. Well, and, and the thing that's, that's alarming was when you started to hear people saying, yeah, when when you at the midterm elections, when the Republicans sweep or it's going to be a red hurricane, like tsunami and wave wasn't enough, but he had to go. Yeah, we had to keep up in it, man. Yeah. Uh, the typhoon or yes. the, uh, the, the tornado. <laughs> like uh, anyways, was the talk of, of support for Ukraine yeah. would be diminished under a, a Republican controlled midterm. And so that was... Yeah, it's scary, right? When you when you start to look at at, at what especially that... if you wonder how many of these people are actually maybe in cahoots with with Russia or getting some funding from Russia. Yeah, why would you want to keep supporting Ukraine if you were, you know, yep. on the take from from the other side or at least sympathetic? If there were videos of me jumping on a bed with six Russian prostitutes, it's hard to hard to see where it would have made the TCA Instagram button. hard to see. <laughs> Hard to see where my allegiances may really lie, right. but you know, yeah. these things happen. It, it's funny, Trump. man, that it's, I, I just, this is a, a strange spot that we're in. It's a strange world that we live in at this point. And it was kind of refreshing to see that there are enough people out there who still looked and said, you know what? And a lot of it was retweeted and we may talk a little bit about Twitter lately. A lot of Republicans, reasonable Republicans, and they do clearly still exist that went, I hate this. I hate voting Democrat. But what the person who's representing my congressional district is doing right now is fucked. And I can't possibly sign on to, yeah, take away Medicare or to take away Roe v. Wade. That stuff is bullshit and a message needs to be sent there. And it it does remind me quite a bit, you know, with maybe a little less extremism of back, you know, 2010, 2012, basically leading up to 2015, the Canadian liberals were a joke and they're supposed to be kind of the middle party in this country. And people who typically vote liberal went no to Marcel Dion, right? N- or <laughs> <laughs> yes to the little fuck, beaver. Fuck Marcel Dion. I'm taking that guy. Stefan Dion and uh, Michael Ignatieff and what, like it. Yep. They trotted out some shit and everybody went, no, you're, you're a, gong show right That's now. That's feces with a red tie. And all of a sudden the NDPs are the official. Opposition. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's harder in the US when it, there are only two parties. Ross but, but you got to see that, that, you know, to some degree there are some, some people still out there willing to go, I, I, I want to support my party, but you need to go and figure this out right now. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in a bad place and I can't support you here. And just like. Like I said, what happened with the liberals in, in this country, you know, 10 or so years ago that went, look, I'm probably a liberal, but this party's a joke and you need to get your shit together. And until then, I'm not voting for you. And I'm trying to think who the guy was, whether it was from Maine or Vermont. He was up there in the, uh, who was, um, he's an older gentleman, Republican, who was an absolute 2020 denier. <laughs> and they have a bunch of clips of him saying, it's bullshit. Election was stolen. Election was stolen. And then just recently... He's like, yeah, it new information's come up. Yeah. And I'm, uh, has it? Has it, your new information? Yeah. And, and I'm <laughs> like, um, it, it wasn't stolen from us. And you're like, I, I don't know, man. I think you have to sort of go, all right. I, I, I see what you're doing there, but 
Well, because everybody was getting wiped out who was still sticking to that, right? But at the same time, you're like, no, fuck you. You're going right into the ground with this, right? So I don't know, man. It it was interesting to see. We'll see where it all shakes loose. But uh, I I don't think, look, uh, Joe Biden's um, approval ratings right now are the exact same as where Trump's were during his midterms, which is, you know, neither one were particularly popular at the time. But uh, I think there was a bit of a statement here on... On where the country needs to go and, and in those battleground states, people were not willing to ride at all with the election well, denial it, bullshit. And it was interesting to see them say, the, the Democrats saying, we're going to keep Sleepy Joe on the sidelines here. We're going to try and, air quotes, protect him, right? I think the less you saw, the you know, just to me. Yeah, was, I don't think the opposite was the truth. Yeah. Protect our candidates with not having him <laughs> there with them. He's not very popular right now. Yeah, no. And I think they were much more willing to let Obama be the guy in certain spots. Yeah. Yeah. Like as a more distant yep. and a far more charismatic and yeah, yep. popular. Uh, to be out there and he's going to be the one that's going to be, he doesn't mind saying, you know, what are you going to boo now? Or whatever. Like yeah, he, yeah. he's willing to give and take a bit. He's, he is an orator, right? And so if nothing else, that Joe with his bit of his. Sleepy Joe. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I read Obama's memoir there a year or two ago, whenever it came out and it was interesting. The very first chapter, and he goes through like any present, you know, here's sort of what I was thinking during this and that and this, the very first kind of the intro or, or whatever, before the book actually begins, he's like, I, he was remembering sitting on a, on Air Force One, leaving Washington after Trump took office and being just like, you have never seen a more definitive, like you've, someone further away from what I stood for Yeah. now take office and like a, a rebuke of everything that I've done. And he goes, you, you think about that on the way out the door, right? Like what, what I might've done or what I could have done differently, but you've, this is a wild swing from one side to the other. It was uh, interesting to. Are they, they going to say cool guys don't look at explosions? No. Just walking away with explosions <laughs> exactly. happening behind him. Exactly, man. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what's going on around your Ottawa senators right now? Explosions. Cool guys do not look at explosions. Well, just sit there and allow shit to explode within the locker room. Uh, interesting game on Friday, Shane Pinto, two goal game in New Jersey, pile of friends and family wearing those North Dakota jerseys. Um, uh, they look like they were having an absolute blast as Pinto puts in two goals. Um, now, someone pointed out on Twitter, it looked like a couple of those guys were drinking White Claw, which was, you know, kind of took some of the fun out of it, right, as as these, uh, this group of cool guys. Yeah. But... Uh, How about the one guy, after the second goal that tied the game early in the third, he's giving the bird to the crowd, 360 style, yes. doing the full turn. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. It's so funny. And, like, good on him, because... That's what your buddies should do for you. Though none of those guys grew up cheering for the Ottawa Senators. No. But my buddy is an Ottawa Senator. Yeah. So yeah, I'm right here. I'm having the day of my life. My buddy's just scored two goals here. And yeah, you're turning around just flipping everybody. Yeah. Off. Well, and he's from the Long Island area. Not a Devils fan. I can't imagine sure. any, any of those guys are his any of his buddies are but that's what you'd hope your buddies would do for you, right? Yeah. Show up and But I did like the three sixty Of course. The three sixty fuck you. He's just got it all the way around. <laughs> uh so the Senators I don't, uh, three out of four points on that trip. They lost that game in overtime. Is that? Yep. Yeah. And then they beat Philly, Philly on, on Saturday. Saturday. Um, you know, it had been a rough skid. They now come home having taken three out of four points on a rough back-to-back road trip. Alfie Knight coming on uh, 
I'll be there. On Monday night. Okay. Didn't know that. At, uh, that's, it's a cool thing they're doing there. 5.30 yep. puck drop so that, at, you know, the game will be done by the time Alfie is being inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame. They're going to allow everyone to stay in the arena and, and watch that. Um, where are the Sens at right now in your mind? Uh, in the dumpster. Where's the dumpster at? <laughs> I'm looking around. It's, it's, um, it's one of those things and it's like COVID, right? When you go, okay, we're going to lift some mandates. We're going to, everything's going to be open. And you're like, oh, back again, bang. And you have this hope and then it's taken away and this hope and it's taken away. It's like, it's like what you do in a Vietnam POW camp. It's like water torture or something. It was like edging. I, I have oh. <laughs> the edging senators. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, I, I think I think there's some pleasure there. I'm, yeah. I'm almost positive. Right? It's like, like a Kama Sutra. You must do it for a reason. Kama yeah. Sutra of hockey. Um, yeah. It's yeah. To me, it's it's this idea that you know Norris goes. Yeah. This summer of of Pierre. Yeah. Right. Hot and, Pierre and, summer. And the <laughs> less hot guy. I can. Like, <laughs> and you know what? I don't, I don't really dig guys, but yeah. if I did, I don't it's know. It's not going to be Pierre first. Matt Damon. I don't know. Matt I, Damon. I, somewhere. I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't come up with anybody more recent than that. Sorry about that. All right. Um, Ryan yeah, it, it, it's, it's disheartening to see this. I, I, I don't care what the underlying stats say and the five-on-five play and yada, yada. W's, baby. Look at the board and go – as the rest of the Atlantic and the Eastern Conference runs away from you again in November, it's fucking, it's terrible to look at what the defense does. It and, is a bad defense. Well, and it was, you knew when DJ came on local radio in the summer and said, and they asked about, well, you know, it's nice that, you know, you've signed Stutzla and you've signed Norris to long terms and you've brought in Talbot to back up Forsberg to sort of insulate that spot and, mm-hmm. you know, you've traded for Debrinket and you've signed Giroux as a, as a, as an FA and you go, but your number one need was defense. How do you feel about this defense core? And all he could muster was, I think it's adequate. Adequate. That's, but hey, again, that's the, that's as far as you could muster was, yeah. Hey man, I think this is outstanding. No, I think this is adequate. If that's what you're trotting out in the summertime when hyperbole is fucking ripe, I don't know what you're doing, man. When What do you really feel when you say that? And then Zub goes down. Last yes, uh, Saturday, Shabbat goes out with a concussion. They're saying at least a week he's out. That hit has got people that are entirely sends backers, at least on my Twitter timeline, as split as maybe I've ever seen. Split on what? On whether it was a, a good hit or not from Konechny. Ah, see, to me, it's 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 close enough that I'm not worried. I'm worried more about Shabbat's. Well, he's got, he's back there pretty lackadaisical, right? Like he's not really. Uh, so this is right off the penalty. Uh, it's a power play. It, yeah, but is it not right off the first face off of the third period? Yes. Yeah, and, and 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 Philly has dumped it in. So he goes back to get it. Shabbat goes back to get it, and you always you know you send one four checker in, and often. He'll just fly by, right? If you kind of turn against the grain, well, it's Travis Konechny. He's not going to fly by. <laughs> and look, I, I didn't love the hit, but at the same time, Shabbat kind of turns and puts himself in, yep. in a shitty situation. I think it's a 50-50 call that could have gone either way. And maybe we should lean more towards penalizing that hit. But right now we don't. And so, 
yeah, when it happens, you're like, ah. Yeah. And, and I agree. I agree that, but to me, it's, it's borderline at best. And you go, what? Konechny is coming on a beeline. Yeah. It, it, it's also up to playing you. on a John Tortorella team. Like that guy's going to finish his hit. Like, he's yeah. gonna... well, and he's a fucker connect me. Yes, I like him. Yeah. I, I, to me, and after I get off the show tonight, I get home, I'm phoning my dad who told me, don't worry, Rob, Colin White will be a better player than Travis connect Hmm. So whenever. doing all right, sir, in Florida. <laughs> yeah. But whenever I get a chance, I like to bring that up to him yeah. and go, you know what, dad, you know, you're my dad. I love you and all, but. That's a bad take. That was terrible advice. Yeah. Ter- and it was 2015 when he said that, but yeah. we were sitting at a Red Blocks game at the time and he, we'd had a couple of beers. So yeah. I totally blame it on that. Okay. But so to me, that is Shabbat. I don't know how many times we've seen him on a, on a power play, he gets behind the net and he's waiting and you're like, fuck man, you have two minutes. This isn't a 10 yeah, get minute. Get going. Get going. And then he forces the puck into some place where it shouldn't be. <laughs> to me, it's, it's, this is, this is a questionable hit. I don't have a huge issue with it. I have more of a problem with Shabbat's approach to it, that he had no idea until the last second yeah, yeah. that Konechny was coming. And for all the Shabbat haters out there in, you know, he's become a bit of the whipping boy. Yeah. Well, he's been not great. He has been subpar. Yeah. And you are now going to get a chance. To see, see what, what's life's like without him. <laughs> no Zub, no Shabbat. Oh, oh, oh Jesus. Oh, dear. So top pair Hamannick coming at you. Yeah. So oh, Hamannick, man, for a guy, <laughs> like, what are you doing with your stick, man? Yeah. Like the number of times he hasn't been able to lock somebody's stick down in the slot. You're like, eh, you're there. Could you not just put your stick on top of that guy's stick? Right. No. 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 So yeah, I don't, three of the four, they should have won in Jersey. And I, yeah, I feel like I'm. Well, Jersey's I'm, been. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. And again, the, the Jersey dominated them for stretches, but Ottawa was was very competitive in that game. Yep. And you're you're have a full two minute four on three in overtime. You got to cash that baby on uh, Saturday. Uh, we saw. Okay, this is a Jersey thing. Before we stay with the sense, um, I think we were three games into the season when fans in New Jersey started chanting "Fire Lindy!" Yep. Fire Lindy! Yep. On Saturday, fans in New Jersey were chanting, sorry, Lindy, sorry, Lindy, which was. Kind of fun, man. You don't see that every, and, and he, uh, Lindy was asked about it in the post-game presser on Saturday and, uh. He said, you know what? I accept your apology. Maybe one day we can all sit down for a beer and talk about this. <laughs> well, and, and he also said at the time, three games in, he's like, yeah, it's a results-oriented business. I understand. Yeah. Wins are what they want. And the Lindy, the Lindy Ruff thing, I remember when John Barrett was in here and his famous take as a guy who played against Lindy Ruff in the NHL. Lindy on the road. No. Ruff at home. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay, man. That's all right. No, I think you just phrased it the other way. Rough on the... Rough on the... Rough at home. Yes. Lindy on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's my that's my forever lasting uh, Lindy Ruff. No matter what happens now, moving good forward. Good coach, though, I think. Ah, uh, for sure he's a good coach. Yeah. yeah I have no issue with that. And, and, and so it, I, I just thought it was kind of funny. Like, it, it, it takes some organization... Like, it... It's not, it's not easy to get 20,000 people to join you in a chant and to have one that's never happened before. Sorry, Lindy. <laughs> Boudreaux. There it is. Yeah. 
yeah, well, we'll talk about Bruce there in a couple of minutes. I want to get into the Canucks just a bit. But before we do, like, there has been, you know, a, a, a pretty strong pendulum as you and I have gone through the who gets fired first, Keefe or, yep. or, uh, or DJ. And just two weeks ago, yeah. it was certainly Keefe again. And now things have swung back the other way and the Sens have lost a bunch. And, and like I said, taking three out of four points now on the – I honestly thought coming out of Friday, uh, Thursday, the Jersey, the Jersey game. Yeah. You know, fans were, it was another loss, but a road loss to a team playing like New Jersey in overtime is not one that is the final bullet in, in DJ Smith's head, but it's a little graphic maybe, but uh, it is is indeed. There's a time magazine cover there. (laughs) You know, he's. He's a guy who's been very polarizing for the fan base. And look, I, I think if you want to fire him, I think that's legit. I think you have, we've talked about it a hundred times, coaches that coach you through the rebuild and then coaches who are supposed to take you to the next level. But we've both referenced this blue line is not good enough. And he keeps playing the worst parts of it, but I'm not convinced this is all on him. See, I, I on the other hand, look at, you know, trots moving over from Washington to the, to the Islanders. Yeah. Essentially the same decor cuts it by a hundred goals. I look at Daryl yeah. Sutter and the Calgary Flames who were a dumpster fire at the end of that Canadian season. He comes in and how much better they were last year. Yeah. I look at Jacques Martin when he came to Ottawa and he worked with guys when I told, we told the story here about Lance Pitlick, couldn't, couldn't make a two foot stop. You put in a system that you go, you know what? This is what you do. In this situation, without fail, bang, there's been no sight of that. So whether it's Jack Capuano or it's DJ Smith, somebody needs to pay for four years of you still can't get these guys to do. Don't you think that's, uh, like, the things you're talking about are things that require a training camp to put into place. If you fire him now, are you not almost throwing in the towel on the season? Do you see it any other way? What do you mean? Well, I understand they're now five. You think the season's over? Like they're, I think, seven points back of eighth place Toronto, maybe. Uh, yeah. Like they're right on the, like they could fall out. But We are two weeks from the end of, of November or American it's Thanksgiving. It's always American Thanksgiving. When they say yeah, if you're yeah, 10 points out, well, at that point, <laughs> you are you are done. Yeah. And we are, you're saying seven points is, you're selling that like it's a fucking highlight. I'm just saying... No, I, I agree. That's an awful lot to overcome because there are other people who can run those same statistics and go, by the end of October, if you're more than three points out, you're done. Yeah. So look, I, I think it's unlikely that the Sens are making the playoffs, but I sat here at the beginning of the season and said, said that they wouldn't make the playoffs. They weren't coming. They weren't going to make that up anyway. So yeah. I think the things that you're talking about in terms of implementing a new system, I think you can maybe like, you're probably firing DJ and giving Jack Capuano the interim title to just ride out the end of the year. And at that point, I'm looking at, bother? I'm looking at a guy who's, who's hanging out here in Ottawa right now, who, who's looking for a job. I can kill Ray. No, what's Al Arbor doing these days? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm thinking Claude Julian. I think that to me is mm-hmm. a guy yeah. who, who you could, especially when you're, when you're talking right now, we're going to miss that top pair of Zuban yeah. Shabbat. You, Norris is out till January, which, at best. At best. And really give the guy the surgery now. Like, look at what Pinto did. Yeah. Yeah. Give him the surgery. 
let him rehab and then have the summer to work out like normal. Like to me, there's just so many signs where you go, you fucked up, you fucked up. That's no, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Uh, I want to see sooner rather than later. If this season is going to go the way it is, training can't be damn. Uh, Let's see, let's see a new coach who can put some structure in here. Uh, Vancouver tried that last year, had a decent bounce. Got a, you know, the, they always do the, the new coach gets a bit of a run yep. and, and, uh, you know, down the stretch when you're out of it, sometimes you get things going. The Canucks look like maybe they turned the corner. Uh, they come out of this, the beginning of this season flat. Um, they've sort of got it going a little bit here lately, but just in the last week, the Canucks team president again goes on the radio yeah. and buries his coach, Bruce Boudreaux. Without we- ever naming him. We talked a couple of weeks ago about this, right? That there was no love there. Clearly, they yeah. said to him over the summer, "Go look around, see if you can find a better gig. <laughs> Maybe we'll replace you. Maybe we won't." And at the end of the summer, they're both just like, "All right, I guess we're we're going to prom together because everyone else has got a date." Oh, it's like you looked right into my soul there. <laughs> so here we are, not even a month into the season, and this is the second time that Rutherford has come out and said, yeah, I didn't like our camp. I don't like the way we practice. We don't have any structure. Didn't like the system. Didn't like the start. Fucking fire this guy then. Like why, to me, if you're not going to do that, and and they've asked, of course, the media is going to ask Boudreau, what do you think? He's kind of like, well, I've seen some things. And like, what's he going to say? He's not going to walk out the noise. Yeah. I've been around hockey forever. I've seen a bunch of shit. And you're like, all right, I guess this is where we're at. But just fucking fire him because at this point, the 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 president there, Jim Rutherford, he's planting doubts in the players' minds yeah. as well, right? Like, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe we do have no structure. Like, I don't, I don't have to play for this guy. He sucks as a coach. What a fucking disaster. I don't understand what they're doing out there. Well, and, and to me, I watched as they came through this, this Central Canada swing, Ottawa dominated – large portions of that game mm. and, they, and then gave it up late in the game. Giving it up. And then they went to Montreal and got smashed. And then the, I, I tuned in on Saturday night and a 2 nothing Vancouver. Yeah, it looked and like And I'm like, were- yeah, baby, come on. <laughs> go, go. Oh. Yeah, 3-2 leads. Blew another yeah. multi-goal lead. And all I'm saying is it's just, that team is not very impressive. They have some nice pieces. It's funny, eh, because I tweeted out on Saturday looking when uh, Patrick Johnston tweeted out the Vancouver lineup and I'm looking at the forwards going, yeah, how is this team this bad? There's and then you pieces. scan down to the defense, you're like, oh, right. Yeah. Top pair Tyler Myers not getting it done. <laughs> well, and Hughes has just come back yes. and I'm not sure he's 100%. No, it doesn't look but like it. like Montreal gets Demko, we get, I don't know, Spencer Martin. Spencer Martin, who we got to. And the guy, really good the guy was awesome yeah, in Ottawa. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? If not for Spencer Martin, Twilight Ottawa's up 5 zip. Trading Mikey DiPietro away already. Like, that feels like they traded him to Boston a couple weeks ago for Jack Stepnika. And it just felt like, you know, I've seen a team give up on a goalie, trade him to Boston, only to have him haunt you for the next huh. fucking decade. Who would that be, Matt? Maybe... Maybe it's a little early to give up on Mikey DiPietro. We'll see, I guess, as, as time goes on. But I, they just, I don't know what they're doing out there, man. Like, it, it's its like they want to fire him, but they don't have anybody better lined up. And I just, Jim Rutherford is one of those longtime hockey guys that doesn't do this, right? You keep things internal. You, you yep. 
He's just out there every week going, our coach sucks. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Well, no. And again, I love that how he never mentions our no. coach or his name. He just talks about. Our structure sucks. Our camp The camp sucks. blue, our all these things, right? And you're like, uh, <laughs> I wonder who's running those. Yeah. But whatever it is, terrible. And so you're right. But who are you replacing him with? Well, that's it. And they've, they're Green. still paying Travis Green, yeah, who so they fired last year. Can we bring so Travis Green back? Maybe that's the, yeah. Part of the problem. He referenced that the Canucks played the Leafs on Saturday night. I, I don't have a ton on the Leafs right now. The one thing I did, and they got away with it, so it didn't matter, but it was Borea Salming night, right? He's going through a battle with ALS, and so he had been over for the Hockey Hall of Fame ceremony on Friday night, and uh, you know they bring all the Hall of Famers out and introduce them. So he was one of them who was there for that. And then they had a separate ceremony just for him on Saturday because of the battle he's going through. Yeah. So as a tribute to him, Keith decides... I'm going to start all six of our Swedes. And you got six Swedes? Yeah. Got Nylander between Yarncrook and Ingvall, uh, Sandine and Lilligren on the blue line. And then Shelligren really didn't have much choice but to start Shelligren. Yeah. yeah. And I look, they got away with it. So maybe it's pointless to even be bringing this up. But there's a part of me that's like, you know what? Good on you, Salming. Happy you had this occasion. Glad the fans paid tribute the way they did. This is a little overstepping it on how cute you are because the Leafs have struggled at the beginning of periods to begin with. Like okay. you just, yeah, whatever. Here's a random combination of guys who've never played before. We'll throw out there as a, I, I think there's things that you do as an organization to pay homage to guys. And then I think there's things that you do that unless you've convinced the Canucks that the first shift is, is ceremonial only probably not yeah. necessary. Maybe overstepping it. It's like, a it's like when, uh, the Kachuk brothers, Played head to head. Yeah, for the first time. I hated that. And and the and the 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 lineman throws out the the Ottawa center and, he, and they they wave in. And you're like, blah. And you're like waved out both centers. Yeah. So that the Kachucks yeah. would take the face like, off against like, each other. That's garbage. That's game integrity. Now yeah, we're talking about for it. sure. So, but doubling back to to Salming, it's it's nice though to be and and it's it's funny with the with the Hall of Fame class going in and three Swedes going in to. To what, doubling the number of Swedes or if not taking it to seven? Yeah. So it's Alfie, the Sedines, and the Wongo. Uh, Lou, and then uh, Rika Salonen as well from uh, the first women's player, okay. uh, European women's not player. Not a Swede, to go in. but. No. Yep. Neither's Lou. No. Uh, but but to me, it's to, to go with only, I think it's Lidstrom, Forsberg, Lid, Sundin, uh, and uh, Salming. Salming. And, and Salming, as the guy who came over in, in, the, in the late 70s, in a time when Swedes just were chicken looked Swedes. chicken Swedes, especially in Toronto, right? Mm. Where you have this, they, you know, could go into a corner and not break eggs in their pockets, yep. like these sorts of things. And that guy was a warrior, Salming. Like he just, he wouldn't drop the gloves in an ear when that was, was really big. Right. But he was killer with a stick <laughs> and, and tough, <laughs> yeah. right? Like just... And so on the Saturday night ceremony, they included quotes from Bobby Clark and Dave Schultz, who both said like underrated tough. Cause like we, they would say like Philly, when we came in there, we were going to beat the shit out of that guy. Right. Like, yeah, no, you're not. No, he's coming right back at you. And he would just, st- and even just a different type of toughness to be the first guy to be willing to come over and right. be a part of a whole new society and not know anybody and, and these sorts of things, you know, it's, it, it, it was worth uh, especially now that he's, he's kind of going through what he's going through yeah. and still able, it's morbid to say, but this was done now because they're not sure they're going to be able yep. to do it again. 
Um, they also showed video of the, the 76 Canada Cup in Toronto and the Swedes are getting ready to take on Canada and the loudest and longest ovation during the starting lineups was for, for Borja Salming at, back at the Gardens. So look, he's he said a bunch of times that Toronto made him feel at home. So it, look, I thought the ceremony, everything about it was, was really cool. I just thought yep. you went one step, maybe too far when it actually steps onto the playing field and you're like, eh, I don't know. Now, again, I sound like an asshole now because it didn't you hurt them an and you won. The, yeah, fair enough, man. And you won the game anyway. So what so, difference does it make? So <laughs> it's, it's, I spent a brief period of time delivering the Toronto star, man, what a terrible fucking job. <laughs> um, <laughs> That you did or that you had? Uh, both, both. <laughs> it's a terrible job, and man, I was the guy who was delivering, like, pe- people wanted the newspaper. You ever play Paperboy on Nintendo? Yeah, people yeah. wanted, yeah, <laughs> for like sure I did. Yeah, window. I'm on the bicycle, <laughs> yeah, pitching yeah. the papers. Um, yeah, so I was the guy who was, people want their paper by, like, 6.30. Yeah. I'm delivering on the way to school for a 9 a.m. start, right? And I'm, <laughs> uh, the people at the old age home we were just outraged because that's the last stop before my school. Um, yeah, I was the worst paper boy ever. <laughs> Kel surprise. But I remember putting together on Saturday, it would come in three sections, the star, and you'd be putting it together and, and the sports page at that time. So it's 86, 87. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got the Matt Sundin and not Matt Sundin, Gloria <laughs> Salming with the big S cup from the skate on his face S-cup. that started at his eyebrow, went Ooh. across, down his nose, around the eye and around his mouth. It was like 70 stitches and it was on the front page of the, of the star sports. And I'm like, I remember looking at it and going, fuck man, (laughs) that dude has got gravel. (laughs) And so to me, he is, he is new era NHL tough, right? In terms of I'll do whatever I need to do to win. I'm not going to drop the gloves. It's not in my, it's not in my DNA, but that guy is resilient and tough. And, and to me, to, to see him get uh, honored on Saturday night was, was, was nice. Um, the other hall of famers going in, you referenced all the, the Swedes there. I guess we should spend a second on Alfie. Just, I don't remember if we actually did over the summer. Cause I was up at the cottage. Stupidly was, fans. Uh, yeah. Uh, overwhelmingly cheered, but there were Come some Come on, boos. man. What are you doing? Um, look, no one will be surprised to hear. I don't think Daniel Alfredson's a hall of famer before I get flamed for that on Twitter. All his numbers are worse than Matt Sundin's, and I don't think Matt Sundin's a Hall of Famer. So my hall just has a higher standard than the actual Hall of Fame. My hall also. But uh, this is an interesting time for him to be going in. There's all kinds of, you know, even with the recent struggles of the team, positive momentum around the Senators, Ryan Reynolds thing, the, the possible sale thing, whether Alfie would jump back in at that point. No question the face of the franchise. Um, yeah, I... You know, I don't know if you have anything you wanted to say on him as a Hall of Famer. Yeah, nothing or... we haven't said already. In terms of the Hall of Really Good, he's yeah. in it. Yeah. He's in the Hall of Really Good, and and that's the way the NHL has gone. And and I love the guy. I love the. I, I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get a, a jersey with his number on it. Yeah. Um, and you're going on Monday. Yeah, I am going. Yeah. Um, but you're talking about an era where you know they're going to retire number 25 here in Ottawa, and I know it's going to be um an ill-received take here in town, but I don't retire that guy's jersey either. That's a it's ri- funny because I do. And we've had that conversation yeah, before too, that to me, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be for the elite yep. and you want to do whatever. Ring of you, Honor guy. That's a Ring of Honor guy, whatever. To me, if, it, if it's important to your fans, if you want to do something in your franchise and retire a number, yep. power to. Now, he is by far the lowest points total of any retired number across the NHL. Yep. But 
I'm fine with that. The, the fans loved him. He played here forever. It does not bug me To me, at that, all. that is a guy who, with well in excess of 2,000 pims, who as, a, as an undersized, just slightly under six feet, you know, like that's another thing about that. Guy. He fought all the heavyweights. He's not a heavyweight. That guy's a middleweight. At yeah, best. and it, and it's 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 you know now six foot, you know five eleven two twenty. I think is where he he went in, and, and he's got that face that is it's a little fleshy, and he's a <laughs> goer, right? And and it, but if you look at, he absolutely was in an era where there were the super heavyweights, mm-hmm. right? And he would fight everybody, and and there's the stories, you know, where Reporters would come in afterwards and he'd make sure nobody stepped on the crest in the change room, yeah. right? You get off this, move, no, no, no standing here. By right? all accounts, in- incredibly charitable in oh, the organization. Big, big time, big time. But again, so to me, to be recognized a thousand games as a guy who didn't have a lot of points, yeah. was a six round draft pick. I absolutely love my, I bought my son a, a Neil jersey right. back in the day. So he has a, a number 25 cents jersey. And so, so why not retire his number? I What's just, it hurt? I, it, it, to me, it's a ring of honor. That's a guy you. What's the difference? So, not every franchise has a ring of honor, right? So, what's the difference between retiring a number here in Ottawa and putting him in the ring of honor? Here it goes up with Brian Murray. It, it sort of goes in with you know those who are You're bi- acknowledged, but yeah, a builders more of a builder side of of the thing. Mm-hmm. And I get it's a guy who played fifteen years. But what do you think? We probably talked about it at the time. Comparatively speaking, Chris Phillips has his number retired here in Ottawa. Yeah. To me, it's, it's, it's close, but I'm fine with Phillips. If you're adding Phillips to Alfredson alone, you add Neil and Phillips to Alfredson. To me, it diminishes the Alfredson. Hmm. Only because, so Phillips is your all-time games played leader. He was a number one overall draft pick. He was, he was there and a key part through the, the absolute golden era of, of Senators hockey, right? So, and again, he had all of the community side as well, right? Yep. Put in roots here, started a business, was huge in the charity side, as Chris Neal is and his wife as well. But to me, once you start adding a bunch of those, it sort of, to me, slightly diminishes the 11. Uh, uh, to me... It's just too much for guys for, there's no cups. There's, you know, only one of them is a Hall of Famer. You're starting to water it down. That's my opinion. Yep. And, you know, we've had that debate before. To me, it's, if you in your own market want to retire a number because your fans love that guy and he played here forever, that's fine. And the Hall of Fame should be for the elite of the elite. And, you know, to me, it's just odd. I, I guess you're differentiating it on builder versus player, but I, I don't know the difference between, you know, our, 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 our team, our franchise has its own hall of fame or ring of honor. Yep. And then we also, some other guys get it hung up to me. It's, when you don't get to wear a Jersey anymore, that to me should be the absolute for me. And I base it on statistical excellence for a retirement right. of a Jersey. Yep. Yeah. To me in Toronto, the correspondent would be tied only if they want to retire, they haven't. If they want to retire that guy's number, sure. Like, I, I don't really care either way. That guy's not a Hall of Famer. Yep. But if you want to hang it up so that when fans come into the building and look around, they see that guy, whatever. Well, I, I loved I loved to listen to Neil this week, though. He was talking about... Um, when he was on with Lloydy this week? Yeah. Yeah. Great when he, interview. When he talked about, uh, you know, f- you know, 
Curtis Lecician saying, you know, he, buddy, you got the toughest job in the league. You know, you show up tonight and you're not on, you know, you're looking at the rafters. Yeah. <laughs> right. The rest of us just sort of skate around and go, oh, fuck, man. Sorry, I let that in. Yeah, and punched then, out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, w- but the other thing was, he's like, you know, in terms of fighting, right. And, and I, we, it's so well sort of documented, right. What guys who fight on a nightly basis have to go through, right. In terms of, yeah, I, I know I'm going against Colton Orr tonight, or I know I'm going against, um. It escapes Scott me. Scott Thornton. I'm, or, trying, I'm trying to think of George LaRock or I'm yeah. trying to think of the guy who played for the Philly, uh, for the for the Flyers, the bald Not guy. Brashear. Brashear, Donald Brashear. Rob Bray. Rob, babe, ah, Rob Bray. All right. I'll fight Rob Bray. <laughs> I know that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I got five bucks to see yeah. that fight. <laughs> Just five bucks. Eh? <laughs> it's going to be on the undercard of Creech and uh, Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> <laughs> on the TCA card. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's he, him saying, yeah, you know, he goes, I'd wake up, I, I'd fight, you know, if I knew we were playing the Leafs that night, right, I'd fight Domi twice, right? I'd wake up from my pregame nap, having fought him there and in, yeah, a, co- in, a, in a cold sweat, kind of, yeah, yeah. and then I got to fight him in the game, right? And you just sort of, it's... Well, the other interesting thing from that interview was him talking about, you know, did you ever come close to leaving? He was, yeah, Brian Burke offered me a couple, you know, a couple year deal to come to Toronto. And I, in my head, I'm like, well, that would have been, now that screams Brian Burke. Of course. But, but Chris Neal could play way better than uh, Freezer McLaren or Colton Orr yep. could. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's actually a player, but yeah, that, that screams Brian Burke. And I guess the Rangers had also offered him a, a multi-year deal and he came back to the Sens and said, look, here's what's out there for me. Can you get close? Can you get me a multi-year, whatever? Yep. And I, I want to stay here. Yep. And, and so I value that and I know you do as well. Uh, for sure I do. It, it It's just a difference. And to me, it's, it's, it's I think means. he should be honored. Yeah. It's just the the jersey, and and look, you look at the crowd, the pop of the of the fourteen or so that were in the building, <laughs> thousand, yeah. um, just the huge reception. Sad that that has to be clarified for him. Yeah, no, for sure. Man. <laughs> um, is yeah, it, they love. We all love him here, and yeah. and and he he talked in his interview about you know my mother and and how she taught me to show respect and hold doors and whatever. And, and Chris Neal held the door for me, man, at the Baton Rouge over here in Canada. One, <laughs> one day I was coming in, he was coming out and he held the door and I'm like, Neeler? And he's like, hey. And then we just, we passed. So it was, um, yeah, good dude. Love what he did for the community and for the team and, you know. So you'll be in next weekend. We'll, uh, we'll hear what the... Uh how things went at the arena on Monday night. It's a cool idea. They moved the game time up so that it, like I said, so that it'll be over in time for the Hall of Fame induction ceremony and uh, fans who are there for the game will be able to watch Alfie get inducted together, which is a pretty cool idea. Should be awesome. And I'll be interested to see who inducts him. I also am fascinated to see that because uh, during the, uh, the, the, on the Leafs always have the Hall of Fame game, right? Because it's in Toronto. So on the Friday night, uh, during first intermission, they always have the Hall of Famers in to do the quiz with James Duthie. And so uh, it was, you know, most talented guys you've played with, most fun guys you've played with, whatever. And and both Alfie and Daniel uh, uh, Sedin had a lot of nice things to say about Matt Sundin. Uh, Sundin asked Alfie to induct him. So I'll be curious to see if the same thing goes right. the other way. Or, and uh, Alfie is saying he isn't given the option that they're going to Oh, put, that they choose for They you. choose for him. Well, that sucks to be honest with you. Yeah, for sure it does. Yeah. And and so despite all the like, all maybe the, he hates Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but as two guys who, who you they know, clearly don't. But for sure, 
And they'll forever be linked by the stick, right? The stick, the, the stick throwing. Sure, but also the 06 Olympic gold medal yep. and, and yep. these sorts of things. But that doesn't necessarily mean they get along. Right? Did, like, did you see on the, the fucking douchebags out here inducting yeah. me? And, and you were watching the New Jersey Ottawa game from yep. last Thursday. Yep. Did you see the little Farber thing with with Alfie in between periods? Where he was asking him, and they and they showed the clip of Alfie hitting Tucker. Yeah, and, and he he's like, ah, it was kind of on the side. <laughs> I yeah. love that man. Well, and the thing was, he's like, it's it's not from behind; it's it's from beside. He goes, it would be a penalty otherwise. Yes, and then and he's like, well, is is do they teach that differently in Sweden than here? And he's like, oh, you have to ask the ref, man. That's to yeah. me, it was it was hilarious, man. It was so well done, and for people who are are too young or or whatever, but. Back in the the heyday of the Battle of Ontario, Alfie, yeah, hits Tucker from behind, takes yeah. the puck, and scores. Yeah, and that is a very proud moment for Senator oh, fans. Oh man, I, I was it's watching a, it again last night, and I'm like, do it yeah! again, kill that guy. Yeah, um, and for Leaf fans, it's still to this day just, rankles. Yeah, has a sore spot, and so to have him kind of. He doesn't, he's not grinning. He's not laughing. He's keeping a straight kind of yeah. like, yeah, no, I, it was from the side. And, and then, yeah, I don't know. Ask the refs, right? Like, that's not my call. If it's it was just, from behind, it would be a penalty. They would call it's it a so clear, man. <laughs> I did see that. It was yeah, very okay. well done. So, uh, just before we move on, the, uh, Argos are now off to the, uh, to the Grey Cup. They'll face the winner as you know, you people will already know, but, uh, it's, it's the Blue Bombers. And the uh, BC Lions going at it in the Western final a little later on. If you want to hear a little more talk on the CFL, on what went wrong for the Red Blacks, our buddy AJ Jackiebeck was on the show earlier in the week and uh, also had a ton of questions for him about his trip to the World Cup as he is en route now to Qatar. And uh, as I said to him, I can't imagine you just jump on bestwestern.com and then Ticketmaster to plan a trip like that. <laughs> so I uh, had lots of questions for him about that. You can check that out. It's episode 1033, available now at talkanaudio.com or wherever you're hearing this. So uh, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, what are we drinking now, man? This is, uh, you've provided another round here. Again, from Lake Town, this is a a much milder... In honor of Matt, this is a German-style red lager. Comes in at 5.2. Is that because I'm much milder? That's the... Uh, no, oh. no. I know you like a red. I do like a red quite uh, a bit. Yeah, you know what? I'm not sure if it's a red or it's an amber. All right. It's a six of one half a dozen. A little maltier lager. Sure. Yeah. Um, but again, I've taken a pull on that. A little ginger. Uh, yeah. The uh, To me, the, the end of the finish of the, um, the Bodie McBoat face... Um, this is called Parkland, which I don't know how it fits in with the theme, but, um, the 8.8, I honestly, I drank that and it did not feel, uh, like 8.8, like it was going to beat the shit out of me. No. Right. But it does feel like a nice, uh, end of the week, post, post work beer. Yep. You sit down, kick your feet up, have a little, you know, if you're going to have one, maybe two, you know, honestly, this Parkland here is, uh, it's rolling out nice to start. Well, and, and that's why I backed it the way it was, right? You just sort of give it, it's smooth. Nice multi kind of, yep. uh, yeah, there's nice stuff going on there. So, uh, yeah, check out, well, if you've been to Weatherhead, you check already out know Weatherhead. Where, <laughs> you've, you've been to Lake Town now as, uh, as it's switched over. So, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the postponement of the World Cup of Hockey again. Uh, we last had one of those in 2016, before that, 2004, and before that, 1996. 
So they're right, uh, you know, just booming them out at, uh, at, at quite a pace here. The talk had been after the last CBA was negotiated, we get it. The players want to play more best on best international hockey. We're going to get you to the Olympics. Nope. And we're going to play more world cups. Nope. Nope. And look, they made no bones about it. At this point, they didn't come out and say it, but they made it very clear. We really don't want to do this without Russia. Right. That's exactly what this was. And well, see, I read it and it didn't say that. Of course it doesn't say that. But it didn't that. really say any other reason. It no. was At this time, maybe not next year either, but I think probably the year after would be fantastic. Yeah. When hopefully Russia has either conquered Ukraine or been drawn out of Ukraine and all you dumbasses will have forgotten that this was ever a thing and we can play with the number of teams we want to play. And it's so transparent. It's so also done in a press release on a Friday afternoon. We're going to talk about Mitchell Miller here in a little bit, but when Gary wanted to play tough guy there, he found TV cameras. Hey, tough guy. He found microphones to say, hey, that guy's not eligible to play in my league. He would have to, you know, we would have to weigh in on that. And and so when he wants to put on that kind of show for you, he'll find a microphone and he'll find a TV camera. Where does lifts? When he wants to postpone a World Cup because countries are saying, hey, if you invite Russia, we're not fucking coming. And their answer is, well, we'll just wait till you calm down then instead of going, yeah, fuck Russia like everybody else. It's a press release on a Friday afternoon. Can I get you a green tea? This league is just such a fucking joke, man. That's where I'm at with that. Well, and clearly they dropped it. So I was reading this. Last That's week, all you could have done. Nobody spoke. Thursday or Friday last week, I'm, I'm scrolling through. Friday. Yeah. And I'm looking at this one, postponed to, until 2025. What's the reason for this? And it's yeah, not like it, a pandemic. No. Not like a pandemic was good enough to, no. you're like, nah, nah, we're totally good we'll with play. all that. We'll play. We can put all those people in the same arena. No problems. And you flip <laughs> it there. And I'm like, okay, what is happening here? And it never says. And no. so I'm like, all right, Rob. Get My powers little, of deduction. Yeah. Aren't strong. Oh. <laughs> but they are good enough to lead me to uh, no Russia. No Russia. Okay. If so we just won't do it. Who's going to play in our bronze medal game if we <laughs> don't have those guys? All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. That's my take on it. That was Fuck all you, it was, Ovechkin. And we've talked about it before. Like the Russian war has taken all the fun out of the Ovechkin thing because he's refused to... Look, we've talked about it, right? The, the Russian players across the league, I don't expect yep. all of them to stand up and, and weigh in on this and be constantly asked about it. When you openly campaign for Putin, when your yep. your Instagram profile picture is you with Putin, yeah, you got to speak, man. And Ovechkin hasn't. He, oh, I, the closest he ever came was, I wish peace for all countries yep. while mine is rampaging yep. through a fucking... See, and, and pre... Pre-war on Ukraine, I had sort of not warmed to the idea, but I'd certainly warmed post, you know, them winning a Stanley Cup and him partying like a yep. like a maniac Same, and, man. and being everywhere. And, to me, and, and we talked about the world championships where a bunch of his douchebag teammates left the ice when Canada yep. played Russia in a gold medal game and he stayed. With and Watched Canada. Yeah. Him and a couple other guys did stay and listen to the Canadian anthem. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yep. Fuck your teammates. Yep. And, and what, but yeah, 
things change, man. And so I had warmed to it. Yep. But then you know what? The other night I look at the uh, I look at the it was Washington Tampa late last week. Yeah. Five four Capitals win. I look through and go no Ovechkin goals. Yes. Yeah. I'm happy He's with become that. Become a dick again, right? Like you. Fuck him, and it, it just and fuck Gary Bettman, and fuck this whole outfit that just can't be bothered to say. We would really feel better about doing this with Russia, so we're just going to wait till you all forget that yep. Russia is an international pariah. Well, Belarus is on the come. Let's not forget about them. Yeah, well. <laughs> you know Lukashenko, what? Like, I love that guy. I don't think you could justify breaking up the season for a World Cup in uh, for this in the same way you could for a World Cup, but Friedman did reference on 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night on Saturday the idea of, okay, if you're not going to do the World Cup, Canada, USA, men and women, best of seven for 10 days or... Are we going to combine them? Probably not. Have hybrid teams, (laughs) women and men? I I got time to watch Poulain with McDavid and (laughs) and whatever's going to go on there. It's going to be, an if you're going to make it an all-star game. Nobody hits in international hockey anyway, so what the fuck difference okay, So what if you just turned, take, took the rest of Europe and made it into one team? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I hated no? it the first time. <laughs> I was the only one what who didn't party like pooper, the, I know. I mean, good, the only Christ, cool thing about Team North America was their NWO-style jerseys. I enjoyed that. Uh, no, do this right. Were they hitting the X cross shots? Like would, that's DX. Uh, yeah, DX sorry. Yeah. Oh man, sorry. I tried, Matt. You yeah. said that I tried, man. <laughs> I leaned into it a bit. Yeah, you could easily still have done Canada, USA, Finland, Sweden, probably Germany, Czech. Yeah. Six teams. Whatever. They, they wanted to make this big. They're trying to get like a soccer World Cup oh, yeah. coming up. Thirty six. Well, in soccer now, it's like 64 or something. Like they keep making they're going, it. They're they, going to 48, I think. or f- When it gets here, yeah, yeah. In, uh, in a couple of years. 32 to 48, I think that's what's happening. But it's, they wanted to have qualifiers. And I guess I don't know how else you do it, right? Like to who's going to, is it going to be Czechia or Slovakia or Germany or Slovenia or. Like a runoff, you mean. They, yeah, of- there was going to have to be a summer qualifier because if you don't want to team Europe, then you're going to have to qualify. So, so that is what they're saying complicates this. Well, that puts you in the realm of the world baseball classic as well. Yeah. <laughs> Israel's. Where's Curacao? What's happening Curacao here? in front of. In September people. when the, when major league baseball is still <laughs> yeah. going on. Well, we just saw last week in Edmonton, uh, the FIBA qualifiers for the world cup, basketball's world cup. We didn't see that. Uh, some of us saw, uh, yeah. last week that that happened. <laughs> And it's a bunch of guys who play in European leagues flying to Edmonton to pound out Venezuela. Yeah, as you do. And then heading back to Europe so that next summer at the World Cup. All the Canadian it's, NBA it's Jamal players. Murray yes. and, and those guys, you know, thanks for your service. But yep. So that's just the way the world works It's in certain ways, right? But it, it, it this bugs me because they were saying, well, the qualifying is complicated. It would always, it was always going to be. This is clearly about Russia. You don't want to do this without Malkin and Ovechkin and Kaprizov and, you know. Oh, Kirill the Thrill. It's just gross, man. That And again, the thing that bugs me more than anything else is that you couldn't find a microphone for this one. It's a press release on a Friday afternoon, you fucking cowards. The old dump. Yeah. Good Friday afternoon dump. <laughs> who, do, who doesn't love that? Sure. 
News dump, I think we're supposed to call it. Oh, sorry, right. Yeah. News dump. Yeah. Not after uh, being out on a Thursday night, as you've said, for oh, hot wings and Guinness. Oh, and oh my goodness. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's, what is it? I have a, t- a, a tropical storm in my back door. <laughs> There's a tropical storm brewing out this back door. That's too bad, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not about that. Yeah. I'm not about that at all. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, as is so often the case, uh, fuck Gary and, and fuck the NHL. Well, and to be honest with you, I want to see it. Well, but, but I, but I greeted this article with a shrug of the shoulders. Uh, there's certain, like you're running out of time to see Crosby and McDavid together, Kane and Matthews together, right? Like these are moments that over the course of, yeah, it's Gretzky to Lemieux, right? Like you used to see these sorts of things happen and we're going to lose an entire generation here. Like Connor McDavid is going to be, what is he now? 20, he was drafted in 2015. So he's... 25, 26? You know, we're now at least three late more 20s. years. Yeah. So you're you're kind of running these opportunities right off the map. and He'll be uh, playing for the Rangers by the time that rolls around. Leafs, man. Leafs. Oh, Leafs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Dino. <laughs> yeah. He knows. Yeah. Uh, should we just get right into Mitchell Miller? Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, this has been, there was a reason we saved this from one end. dump to another dump to yeah. just, just big gross dumps. Look, everybody's talked about this is that's why we held this to the end, but we haven't been in studio together. It was last weekend while you were out in Halifax. Yep. I sat down on Sunday afternoon and as I was putting together the, the solo episode that I did, I talked about it. And when I was editing, I just went, there's something kind of sanctimonious about Delivering or delivering a monologue on this or something holier than now, and I do acknowledge that I do feel holier than the Boston Bruins after. Well, and by the time you did that solo show, had they rescinded it yet? Because uh, they no. offered on Friday, rescinded Friday Sunday afternoon. It was Sunday evening yeah. by like eight or nine o'clock. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, so I deleted, you know, that section of the podcast when I because everybody the, who does a Sunday afternoon podcast. Loves when shit comes out on a Sunday, Sunday night. night. Who does that? And you're like, you've ruined 15 <laughs> minutes of the pod we just spent two hours doing. Talk to your families, you animals, right? Like, yeah. why are you making news Where's on Sunday Where's your pot night? roast and whatever right. else you got going on? <laughs> Look, for anyone who hasn't heard it, Mitchell Miller is the guy who was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes a couple of years ago, and then it came out. And apparently, NHL teams already knew. We did not know that he had been bullying someone uh, when he was 14 years old, uh, a black kid with developmental disability of some kind. Isaiah something, Meyer Carruthers. And uh, this kid had been put through shit by Mitchell Miller. For years. Years at a time, yeah. And and, um, when it came out that the Coyotes, who if you remember that year had also lost a pile of their draft picks because they were dicking around with the scouting rules uh, and and had lost a bunch of their picks. So they kind of went, well, no one else is going to draft this kid. He's probably a second or third round value. We can get him in the fourth round and make up some of our, you know, lost value, right? Because we didn't have as many picks as everybody else. And, and everyone, he was getting ready to head to North Dakota. Like this is a guy whose stock was rising. Yep. Yep. As a player. Perfectly valid. Yeah. Not as a human being. No. Necessarily. So at that point, all this reporting comes out. 
the Arizona Coyotes are forced to denounce the pick, renounce the pick, and say, yeah, with in light of this new information, which we were largely aware, uh, but didn't think you were, we will have to, uh, you know, renounce this draft pick. He's no longer part of our organization. University of North Dakota says, yeah, you're not coming to fucking school here. And uh, so he ends up going off and playing in the USHL where he puts up a butt ton of points. and As a defenseman. Uh, yeah. Because he's playing a level higher or lower than he should be. And the Boston Bruins decide last Friday, we're going to try and bring this guy in. We're going to sign him to our AHL team. And shit hits the absolute fan. Late the, Friday afternoon Of course. Dump. Another Friday afternoon dump. And uh, their players, their media members, their fans, as well as fans across the league said, no fucking way are you getting away with this. And they circle back. They go back to the, uh, the Carruthers family and ask, you know, did anyone approach you? Have you been apologized to any of these sorts of things? The answer, aside from an Instagram direct message from Mitchell Miller saying, like, hey. Like a week and a half ago. Yeah. Hey, this isn't about hockey. Just wanted to say I'm sorry. And uh, now I can go ahead and, and sign with the fucking Bruins feeling guilt free. Because no doubt they would have said to him, apologize or, or make this right if you can. Yeah. And uh, throughout the entire weekend. It continues to just blow up in their face. The family says, no, no one's spoken to us. Reporters continue to run back out what had happened, what this story is. And by Sunday night, they said, all right, we'll, uh, we're going to remove him from our organization. See, and Seabass, Cam Neely, steps up there, mumbleitis. Like, I, I don't know where that, where that Team guy. Team president, Cam Neely, yeah. Where that guy's, you know, Dale Carnegie, you know, sessions have gone, but clearly nobody's given him any kind of, um, PR coaching. Yeah. Or, or, you know, um, how, how do you speak to a group? How do you get up in front of a mic and handle So are you talking yourself? about Monday or Friday? Cause uh, Don Sweeney speaks Friday. Well, see, uh, yeah. See, no, I, I'm talking about whether it was Sunday night or it was a release on Sunday night and, and Cam and, Neely spoke and Cam Neely spoke Friday, on Monday, Monday morning. Yeah. yeah see, w- watching Sweeney's on Friday, he didn't say it, but there was a lot of, you know, reading between the lines on what Don Sweeney said to me. I felt like Don Sweeney was doing this against his better wishes. Well, see, he does say like, I, I don't know for sure that this is the right decision. Yeah. I don't know if this was my child, if I would forgive Right. And, and, and so to me, when, when, when Cam comes out on Monday and says new information has arisen, yeah. to me, the new information was Nick Cold Foligno and Patrice pissed. Bergeron saying, yeah, this is not really what our locker room Marchand stands for. also jumped in on that. Yeah. But to me, it was the interview with, with, with Bergeron who was saying, yeah, I believe in second chances. I just not sure this is what our locker room stands for. And and he was eloquent, Patrice Bergeron, and Nick Felino as well. And Nick Felino is what wherever his career his playing career is at, he's a stand up yes. guy. Yeah. Um and I think I think it just comes down to the new information that arose was, yeah, we didn't really anticipate this huge backlash. We thought we could sneak this through, but social media jumped up and bit us in the bag. 
That's what I took away from Don Sweeney's uh, conference on Friday morning as a GM. He's not the one who makes the ultimate call, but he's very much involved in making the final call. There is Cam Neely above him, who is the president. And I felt like that whole, we don't know if this is the right decision. I don't know if I, I felt like that was PR spin. We're going to, you know, can't, uh, they tried with Evander Kane in Edmonton. They've, uh, Logan may, we've looked at the way all these other organizations have tried this. We're going to try this approach. We're going to try the one that says, Hey, we get why you're upset. We're upset too. Like it's somehow out of their fucking control that they just signed this guy. But second chances, Matt. And I think that's an interesting point. This kid is 14 years old when he starts doing this. I would hate to think that anyone who does something awful at 14 is permanently written off. That's your life. You're done forever. But there's a road you have to take here. There's a path you have to, t- and, and I've had somebody in my life say to me at some point, um, when they were going through something, I need to see the receipts that you have gone out and you have educated yourself. You have properly apologized. You have learned something. You didn't just wait for two years from when the Coyotes tried to draft you, hope everybody forgot this all cooled off, we can sign them on Friday afternoon, and everyone will just be fine with it. You need to show that you have grown and apologized and, and you know, understood what you've done. And yeah, have some receipts for those actions that you've taken. And that's not what had happened here. Clearly, they tried to slide one Instagram direct message Hey, sorry about treating you like a piece of shit for several years as, as proof of some sort of yeah. growth. See, and, and that's the problem, man. I, I think I, I wouldn't want this kid to be permanently buried forever because of being an asshole at 14. I, I've known people who were assholes at 14. And Stop! Have grown, yeah. Stop! I'm feeling the heat of that. <laughs> and have grown into, this is where you can step back out, <laughs> of, they've grown into reasonable human beings, understood how they fucked up, whatever it might be. There's no evidence that this kid has any remorse. In fact, his father is still out there retweeting all the people who are defending the signing. Yeah. Like clearly his family is saying, you're fine. They should just sign you. See, to me, there's a bunch. The, the, the thing is, it's so popular. You talked about, you know, you're soapboxing, you're holier than thou approach last week. Yeah. And, and it's just the convenient and easy route to take, right? The number of people who are standing up saying, they didn't even consult the family. And you're like, if the, if the Miller family had done the proper thing. And I'm talking with the parents and heaven forbid the parents can't do it. The agent, somebody yeah. back. If you want your career back, here's what you're going to have to do. And, and, and so to me, whatever it is, uh, you have to only consult the family to, of the victim. Yeah. The Carruthers family. To say, has there been some effort right. at amends to being made here? That's the extent of it. Cause really there's wherever you've done, you've committed a crime, whatever it is, and you've done the, you've done the time you've paid for your crime. You move forward. This guy through his parents as a minor clearly was never instructed in the four years before being drafted to make amends for that. And then it wasn't 
that wasn't enough of a wake up call because he was, he was charged as a minor. Yep. That's not enough of a wake up call. You then make it to draft time and your draft pick is rescinded as a, as a, somebody who has a future as an NHL player, yep. very lucrative, just in case you didn't know. Yep. Right. And, and failing that North Dakota, very solid hockey program. Yep. Education and hockey equals good times in the future. That's been rescinded. That's not enough of a wake up call for you as an 18 year old. And I look at 18 year me as an 18 year old and I'm like, okay, solid guidance from a parent Mm -hmm. or an agent to say, yeah, you know what? You need to do these things. You have to take these steps. And you still haven't done it. And two years later you go, okay, now's the time to sort of put that lipstick on a pig and say, so I want to be clear when it comes down to shit you've done in the past, you should not carry forever, but you got to do the legwork yep, in between. And, and, and so to me, this 20 year old, he's shown incredibly bad judgment, but beyond that, parental support ad- advisors in terms of agents, Nobody around this guy has had even the slightest. And and to me, that's where it goes even beyond Mitchell Miller is who are the rocks? Who are the support for this kid? So his his agent releases a statement midway through the weekend and says, hey, here's the organizations that this guy's volunteered with and offered up his services to to try and correct those. And one of those organizations, we have no idea who this guy is. He's never done anything with us. This whole fucking thing is... And and the other, you know, Isaiah uh, Meyer Carruthers, he puts out a statement this week through the Hockey Diversity Alliance that says, look, it, it's worth bringing this back up. This poor guy has a developmental disability. You can read in his words the pain that he is still carrying around from this because he is now back talking to the media about treat, being treated like a piece of shit. The media otherwise doesn't know who this guy is right. other than hey, can we relive some of those worst moments of your life? Can you tell us about those? And so he puts out a statement that goes, look, this is what happened. This is what kept happening for years. And no, he hasn't apologized to me. He hasn't explained why all of a sudden it was extremely urgent that I suddenly respond to a private message from him. Obviously now I know it's because he's trying to sign a contract with the Bruins. And that family, this is an interesting part of this, Isaiah and his family, they're not obligated to forgive Spencer Miller. Not at all. Mitchell Miller. Mitchell Miller. And so- Or Spencer. Sure. Whoever that is. (laughs) If you go through this whole process and, and you do educate yourself and you do apologize, you're not- Of course not. Guaranteed and- But I am also not as Mitchell Miller- my future is not That's right. beholden to That's your right. forgiveness. But the rest of the world, look, if you fuck with someone in my family, I may never forgive you. Right. But I do understand if you go through the right channels, the yep. rest of the world may forgive you and you get to carry on with your life. That's the problem here, right? Is this kid, Mitchell Miller, did none of those things and just expected it would all just go away. We would all forget and to see that statement from Isaiah this week, you go, no. Like which this also is... said, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Which has to mean, back the fuck off. 
Leave yeah. this kid alone. Yeah. He's been through hell. And the fact that some other kid just wants to play hockey and wants his past problems to go away is not a good enough reason to keep dragging this poor guy through this. Right. And so the thing is, you sort of look at, at the Mitchell Miller thing on a very surface thing and say, that kid's got hockey potential. Sure. And his future is, is you know, he's got this golden ticket and it's being jeopardized by what he did as, as, as a, as a young guy from like nine till 14, 10 to 14. But again, you got to double back to, you got to do the minimum. That's it. That's it. You. And you haven't done it. And, and that's on you now as a 20 year old, yeah. you haven't done anything. I absolutely. And I know you do as well. Believe in second chances, but you earn those. You're not yep. handed those. Yep. It's just to me, it's a number of people standing up saying, you have to consult. And you go, yes, 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 forever. And you touched on it. Uh, you you do wrong to me or my family. Yeah, I may forget, but I don't need to ever forgive. Right. Right. But the point comes to, you have to make it right for yourself and the rest of the world. Yeah. I I I don't think either one of us would ever blame... I say his family, if they never forgive uh, him. 100% not. But if he has shown the rest of the world, I did everything I could to try and make this right. I've done the work. Then maybe the hockey world gets to go, all right. Like maybe he does get to carry on with, we don't all have to, and this sounds cold, but you don't have to wait for the Carruthers family to say, we forgive you. Right. Um, but it does seem like they are that type of family. They said they've forgiven the Bruins, that they've, the Bruins yeah. after this mess called and said, Hey, we're sorry we did that. Um, and they've said, you know, we had a, it was Isaiah's mother who said, I've had a long conversation with the Bruins. I understand what happened. I accept their apology and and that's fine. So it doesn't seem like they're a vindictive family, but they are owed an apology from Mitchell Miller that does not stem from just, holy shit, this is jeopardizing my hockey future. Right. It has to be more to me. He needs to do way Especially more now. Yeah, no, to me now, you've now missed your opportunity of, hey. You're going to have a great career in the KHL. Uh, I, well, see, he's going to spend this year in the AHL, it looks like. Well, the like. AHL has said, we're not sure we're letting him in either. Right. But you are looking at a guy and, and watching 32 Thoughts last uh, Saturday night. Yeah. They were talking about, uh, he's got like a four-year contract, whatever that is. They're going to have to buy it out to the tune of about 520 grand. And I think that's. Like there's talk about, well, if they could agree on whatever, you know, and mutually terminate the contract, fuck that. Fuck the Bruins. You fucked up. You yep. can carry the cap hit. You, you can, pay it. Yep. You pay it. Yep. And that's at the, at the NHL level. Yeah. No matter where he's playing. And so, yep. If, if, you know, there's another guy hoping the, uh, you know, it's Mitchell Miller and Gary Bettman again, tied together, hoping the war in, uh. In Ukraine ends so that, uh, A, Russia can get back in the World Cup and Mitchell Miller will have a place to play. I don't know what you make of, uh, of Gary's reaction as well, because like I said, he did find a microphone and a TV crew on that to, you know, I think they were, was it the Blue Jackets and Colorado that were over in Finland, I think to play. Yep. And that's where Gary spoke. Line A Rantanen was the big, uh. And then it came out that, uh, Gary goes, they didn't run that by us. And then it turned out that the day before they had run it past Bill oh. Daly. So I don't know what to believe about that either, but, uh.
Gary and his league are all about, you know, it's no different than the Colorado Avalanche or no different than the Chicago Blackhawks who Gary for the longest time wouldn't acknowledge there was a problem. And then once it became undisputed, like indisputable that there was a problem, he's out there going, we will hold them to the highest standard. We will shut the fuck up, you transparent douche. You just want these stories to go away. You don't want Sound to bites, Matt. solve them. Sound bites last forever. Shut the fuck up, you transparent douche. <laughs> yep. That one <laughs> and, and his turning his yes. I can't believe you did that. Yeah. You're terrible. Yeah. Anything else for this one, man? No, I, th- I think I'm... Uh, I'm spent. I am... No, I'm still good to go. We got more topics. Let's do it. No, nah, I, I'm... Nah. Uh, I think we're pretty good. I think we're pretty good. This was a heavy one, man. We had lots to cover here. I like the in and out. I like the in and out. Sports, little little politics, Weave little, in and out, little yeah. this, little that. Yeah. It's We're versatile, man. Versatile. We're like that uh, reversible pair of pants that everyone loves. I'm not... I can't reverse mine. This is, <laughs> all kinds of <laughs> problems with that scenario. Corduroy on the inside, <laughs> flip those bad boys out. <laughs> Uh, you're back in here next Sunday. Yeah, That'll if, be uh, if, if, Grey if, Cup yeah, yeah, if, if you'll have me. We'll see. We'll yeah, no, it's, it's, it, is, it is a week-to-week kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that is episode 1034 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. We'll cover Twitter next week. This is a Maybe a we'll be on story. Mammoth. I'm not entirely sure. It's called Mastodon. Mastodon. Mammoth is a website Rob visits. It's right on the edge of his tongue for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing we can cover on another day. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. For, for Mammoth Rob, <laughs> my name's Matt, and we'll catch you next time. See ya! <laughs> What was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?